Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, December 29th, 2019, we bring you a special end-of-year sermon by Pastor Ed Lutz titled, The Voice, out of John chapter 1, verse 1 through 336. Enjoy. The last Sunday of the year is always a, a fun Sunday, right? You come to a time like this and, and you're excited to look back at all the wonderful things that the Lord has done and his blessing, but you're also hopefully excited for what God is in store. You know what? We're actually one year closer now to the second coming of Jesus. Are you excited for that? Maybe it'll be 2020, huh? Oh, man. Women's Worship Night got bigger applause than that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. I thought that was a good question, but yeah. No, we're really excited for you. You know, some of you probably are excited that this year is over, if you were honest. You know, I'm not sure the, what you have gone through or some of us maybe have experienced some loss or some difficult circumstances, and so some of us are glad to see an end of 2019. Uh, <laughs> but some of us might be a little bit, you know, sad. Maybe there's some things that happened this year that God just blessed you immensely and you saw the hand of God in your life or you, you made some friends or the Lord brought people into your life and, uh, and you're just so grateful for them. And hopefully those relationships will continue. And uh, you know, we have all kinds of voices and that's the theme for this morning, the voice of God and specifically the voice of Jesus Christ. And if you were to look back on your last year, all of us would say we've had some people who contributed positively to our lives and our growth. Some of us maybe have experienced some negative impact by the people who spoke into our lives. And you familiar with the word cacophony? That's a big word, huh? Yeah, a cacophony. I would tell you there's a cacophony of voices. I just wanted to give you that word because I love that word. Here's what it is. Have you ever gone to an elementary school band concert? The first one. Right, the very first concert in elementary school and, and they're all playing their instruments for the first time and you show up and, and they're tuning before the first song. So you know that sound where everybody's kind of doing their own thing, they're, they're playing their own note. They're actually, some might actually be coming up with a brand new note that's never been played before, which is really exciting, right? That's a cacophony. Non-stop noises, seems to be in total disarray or disharmony and you're just kind of hit with it and it's hard to make sense of anything because there's so much going on at the same time. You know, I, I, uh, I was a teacher before I was a pastor and I, uh, I used to tell people I think the highest paid teachers in the school district should be elementary school band teachers. <laughs> All right, they all have aspirations in college of going to Juilliard or maybe being on Broadway and, and then they come and they've got that band in front of them, you know, a fifth or sixth grader. But what I love about that is, man, they love music, they love kids and they want to share the gift of the arts with the children. And so it was always a treasure for me to go to those concerts. But some of them honestly were a little bit hard to hear, right? A little bit tough on the ear. Some of those voices we can control and some of those we can't. Question for you, when you came to church this morning, just a show of hands, how many of you got in the car and you, you, you turned the key and the first thing you did is you, you kind of turned on the radio? Let me see. Oh my, yeah, lots. Some of us may be so in the habit that we just leave the radio on, right? So as soon as we turn the key on, there it is. I'm a, I'm a radio channel surfer. I probably, on my 20-minute 
ride to church at least eight to ten times, depending on the song that's playing or the person who's speaking or if, or if the Cardinals won or if they lost. I, I'm just back and forth. I'm nonstop changing the channel, depending on the voice that I'm hearing. Anybody else like me? Maybe you're out in public or you're in the mall you're on campus and you have teachers talking to you, you've got bosses yelling at you, you hear babies screaming, dishes breaking, you're stuck in traffic and you got horns blaring and you just want to, you wish you could just take your ears, cover your ears with your hands and just say, stop, stop. And you wish you could just make them all go away, right? I wish it were that easy. But some noises you just can't control. Some of those voices you just can't seem to shut off. That's our main idea this morning. If you look in your bulletin, we have a main idea that's listed there, and it says, we are bombarded with countless voices and opinions about how we ought to live our lives, right? Everybody has a better idea on how you should live. But when we see the credentials and the character of the person of Jesus Christ, we want to listen to his voice above all others. That's what we're going to talk about today. I apologize for the misprint. We are actually going to be in John chapter 1 and John chapter 3, not Matthew. Uh, But really, I have two objectives for this morning. One, to examine the voices in Scripture. What do they say? Whom should we listen to? And then to propose that the primary voice that we should listen to is Jesus Christ. And we've got an application point for every single one of you here this morning. Uh, you know, we just began a, a sermon, we begin a new sermon series in, in uh, January, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're really excited about that. We'll talk more about that later. But how many of you have spent the last month here at Highlands as we've gone through the Advent series? Yeah, almost all of you. Advent, right? The arrival of the King, the coming of the King, the birth of Jesus. We spent four weeks on that. Not only did we talk about his first coming, but we also talked about the fact that Jesus will come again someday. And are we ready for that? But we love Christmas. We love the season. Jesus came as a baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths. He was put in a manger, brought hope to the world. We sing Christmas carols about King Jesus, who came as a baby. But you know what the good news is? He didn't stay a baby. He grew up. Matter of fact, if you were looking at Luke chapter 2, which is where we're so familiar with the, that Christmas story, near the end of Luke chapter 2, we see Jesus as a 12-year-old boy, and he's in a temple, and he's listening to the teachers, and he's asking questions, and it says that they are marveling at what he has to say. They, they can't believe that such a young child has so much wisdom. And then it says in Luke 2.52, near the end of that chapter, that Jesus continued to grow in stature. He got bigger. A young man, he grew physically, and it says he also grew in favor with men and women with God. So Jesus matured, and he grew up. And today in our passage, we're gonna look at Jesus the man. We think Jesus is close to 31. He's been in ministry for a year by the time we get to our passage today. And what we wanna focus on is what Jesus has to say. And what John the Baptist specifically says about Jesus Christ. And when you hear who Jesus is according to John the Baptist, you're going to want to listen to who Jesus is. You're going to want to hear the words of Christ for yourself. 
If what John the Baptist says about Jesus Christ is true, then it's time for us folks to block out all those other voices and be attentive to what Jesus has to say because Jesus has the words of life. But let me pray for us as we start. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. What a privilege to open up your word, to read the inspired text. You've given us your Holy Spirit. He resides within us and he authored these words. So as we read the words that he wrote, may they penetrate our hearts as he applies them to our lives. Thank you for the gift of your word and thank you for the gift of your son in whose name we pray, amen. All right, well let's look at our first point in your outlines today. First point, there are many voices in our ear. We've already talked about that, right? Some of us are addicted to cable news. Fox News, CNN, TED Talks, right? Politicians, religious figures. We have countless voices that we listen to day in and day out. We're bombarded with noise, aren't we? We just gotta have as much information as we can. Everybody's telling us what we should think and how we should live. You know, I, I did a word study. I studied the word voice. It's actually in the scripture, and I found over 600 verses on what the Bible had to say about voices. And I wanna give this to you. It's not in your notes, so if you, you wanted to take a little pick with your phones, you can. But did you, what we found out is, and it's not really surprising, but all the voices in, that we hear today, all the positive and negative influences in our lives are the same voices that we see in Scripture. Right, and what we did is we, we kind of clumped these by positive and negative voices. Let's look at some of the positive voices that we see in scripture first. Who gives voice in the Bible? Well, the brokenhearted do. Those who are fearful, the encouragers, those who love to speak hope. People who got healed, praise the Lord. They gave voice, they told people of the miracle that was done in their lives. The godly, the repentant, the teachable. The wise, we love the fact that people who are wise give voice in scripture. The book of Proverbs is a book dedicated to passing along wisdom. We're grateful for that voice. And then obviously the prophets. The prophets were voices for whom? For God, they spoke for God. Angels speak in scripture, that's a good voice to listen to. And then we hear actually the voice of God the Father when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, you hear the actual voice of God the Father come down from heaven. Incredibly powerful passage of scripture and Jesus Christ himself speaks. You know, I, I love the fact that the Cardini shared and, and you, you were so right. You know, when you think of, these are, I've been listening to so many voices this last year that have been saying so many things and they've kind of taken me off course. Man, I wish I had more positive voices in my life. More people like this, the wise, the loving, the caring, the godly, the merciful, the forgiving. Would you agree that these are the types of people that should speak truth and love and encouragement into our lives? If you haven't signed up for a small group, I so encourage you to do that. You can do that in the lobby when you leave, ask somebody at Info Central. Uh, we need more of these types of voices in our lives. The church is a body, the church is a family, and it would be so good to surround ourselves with voices like this. But you know what? We also have negative voices in scripture. We see the oppressive, the foolish, the naive. We see those who are, have a mob mentality. 
those who are God-haters, those people who have, have hard hearts. We hear the sexually immoral try to entice people to sin, and of course the evil spirits, and Satan himself speaks in Scripture. So besides those positive voices in Scripture, we see that there are negative voices in Scripture as well. The question is, what filters are we gonna use, right? How do we determine which voice we're gonna listen to? And the reality is we know who we should listen to, but we often don't. We cave, don't we? There are a lot of factors that determine whom we should listen to. Give me, let me give you the next slide. There are many factors that determine the degree to which we listen. What are some of those factors? What is it that makes you listen or not listen? One of those, I think, is your worldview. What's a worldview? Worldview is simply a set of presuppositions or assumptions by which you, you make sense of reality, right? We tend to surround ourselves who share a similar worldview. We surround ourselves with those people who think like us, who agree with us, share the same value system. That makes us feel comfortable. So the people like that that we have in our lives, that's gonna determine whether or not we listen to them. Now all of us have probably faced those people or encountered people who have a different worldview and there's always this tension, there's friction there, right? So worldview is maybe one of those filters we impose. Another one could be our present circumstances. A few of you kind of acknowledge that you were glad this year is over. Maybe you've had some circumstances this past year that really just kind of clouded your perspective on life, maybe tainted your view of some things. Sometimes you get so mired in your circumstances that it's hard to kind of see out of it. We're so focused on the what's right before us instead of trying to see the big picture. And so our circumstance sometimes affects who we listen to. Number three, the people around us. Hopefully we're putting people in our lives like that first chart, right? But have you ever had somebody in your life who's just harsh and critical and negative and pretty soon you start to believe what it is that they're saying and they, you forget about who you are in Christ and you start, to, you start to begin the lie that they're propagating about who you are, who you should be. And then finally, and there's more than this, but just one more, our goals and our agenda. Is, is, is it success at all costs for you? Are you putting stuff over people? Or are you trying to accomplish what the Lord wants in your life instead of your own agenda? So those are some factors, right? Those things determine the degree to which we're gonna listen. Third point. Now it looks like we're going pretty fast, but we're gonna slow down, I promise. There's one voice above all. One voice above all to whom we should listen. Actually, we ultimately will listen, right? It's better to bow the knee here (laughs) than to bow the knee in the next life, right? Ultimately, everyone will bow and listen to the voice of Jesus. But when you hear the credentials of Christ from our passages today, and you see the character of Jesus, I pray that you're gonna walk out of here determined to silence the voices maybe that you've been listening to and make a recommitment to make the voice of Jesus Christ a priority in your life. We are gonna be in John chapter one. Why don't you go ahead and turn there? John chapter one. If you have a Highlands app, that would be great. Pull that up. Or just, you have a phone, Google, 
John chapter one, it's ESV. Some of us actually have a Bible. I'm so grateful for that. Well, let's look at John chapter one. Jesus is worth listening to. I'm gonna start in verse 19, John chapter one. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses said a prophet would come who would speak for God, and, and he says, no, I'm not him. And he answered, no. Verse 22, so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do, you, what do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the what? The voice. Key word. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And here's what he said. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah says. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 40 there. You know, that's his message. Jesus the king is coming and I have a purpose. I'm supposed to make straight, prepare people's hearts for the coming of Jesus. Now, most of us are probably familiar with John the Baptist. We believe John the Baptist in Luke chapter three was called to preach by God. He was a prophet, right? God called him in Luke chapter three. God spoke to him, gave him a purpose. So he's considered the last of the Old Testament prophets. God had been silent for 400 years and now um, God comes on the scene in Luke chapter three and calls John the Baptist to preach because God is getting ready to send the Messiah and he wants to announce it to the world and he chooses John. And a year ago, at this time, John had baptized Jesus. So Jesus is a man, he's about 31, he's been doing ministry for about a year, he's got his own followers doing miracles. We're gonna see that in chapter three even when we get over there. But John's purpose is to proclaim the king. You know, there used to be a movie, Aladdin. Have you seen the remake, the Aladdin, the musical? Have you seen that? Oh, man, it's, you know, one thing you don't know about me, but I'm kind of a musical guy. I love singing and dances, and oh, I, would, I just love Broadway shows. I, I was in show choir in, in high school and did all that fun stuff. It was just a blast. I just dig it, man. I love it. And in the show... The musical Aladdin, there's a scene where uh, Prince Ali is coming into a town and there's this processional, there's this parade and there's dancers and they have all this pomp and circumstances and elephants and giraffes and there's this guy who's running ahead of the processional. The prince is here, the prince is here and he's announcing to the crowd. That's kind of the image here, obviously a little bit less, you know, fancy. But in the ancient Near East, when the when a monarch was arriving, they would have two things. They'd have a herald who was an announcer. The king's coming, get ready. He'd go into the town, make sure things are right. And then they had a delegation of servants and they would actually walk the road and, and get rocks out of the way, fill holes, tamp down the ground, make sure the ground was smooth for the ride in. And that's what John the Baptist is doing here. He's, he's preparing the way and he's being a herald and announcing Jesus. And look what he says in verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is, whom, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man 
who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, this, and now he recounts a year ago, the baptism of Christ. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. And I myself didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen born witness that this is the Son of God. We see incredible credentials and some stuff about the character of Jesus in this passage. We have a little chart here we're gonna fill in as we go. First, we see that Jesus is what? The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Why a lamb? Well, in the Old Testament, a lamb was a symbol for sacrifice, right? God is a holy God. He can't stand sin. People sin. And there has to be a payment for sin. And so what they would do is they, they instituted an a, a animal sacrifice and so they would take a, a spotless, undefiled lamb and they would sacrifice that lamb and that lamb would shed its blood for the temporary forgiveness of sins. And he says, Jesus is the lamb of God. First Peter 1 says that Jesus who lived a sinless life was the lamb without spot or blemish. We know in Hebrews chapter nine that he had to shed blood. That's how forgiveness comes. And then Isaiah 53 even talks about there would come this suffering servant who would be pierced for our transgressions and he compares him to a lamb. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, he opened not his mouth. Jesus is the lamb of God. And the good news is the second half of that, he takes away the sin of the world. That's who Jesus is. See, he bore our sins on the cross. Jesus is the Passover lamb we see in Hebrews. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that we've been bought with a price. And in 1 John 2, he says Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Jesus is the sacrifice that God accepted on our behalf, but not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole what? World. Now, if Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, does that mean everybody is saved? No. Let me give you a, just a quick illustration. You may have gotten a present over Christmas or had a joy of giving one of these. There's a couple, one thing that's really important. When you wrap one of these, there's something you have to do before you wrap it. You know what that is? You gotta take off the price tag. You ever leave one on and they open a the gift? It's pretty embarrassing, right? Hopefully you're embarrassed because when they open up the box and the price tag is there, they see, oh man, you've sent way too much money. In my case, they open up the box and they see how cheap that is, you know, so that's kind of embarrassing. But did you know there are two rules for giving a gift? Two rules. First rule is it has to be free. The beauty of this is that the price has been paid for this gift, right? If I give this to you and you open this up and I, oh, by the way, tomorrow morning when Target opens, you have to take this back uh, and you have to pay for that. That's not a gift, it's a burden, right? The beauty of getting a gift is that it's yours, it's the price that's been paid. See, the death of Jesus was sufficient for the sins of the world, that's the beauty of that. You know what the second rule is? You have to receive it. If you don't take it, guess what? You don't have it, All right? John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God. It's those who receive the gift of Jesus Christ who, who are saved. 
So Jesus is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. What else do we see here? We see that he ranks above John. He's preeminent. He's superior to John. He also says in verse 30, he's before me. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is eternal. Well, how do you know that? Because it can't mean chronological. In Luke chapter two, John tells us that John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, was conceived with him six months before Mary, Jesus' mother, conceived him through the Holy Spirit. So it can't mean that he's older than him in age. John was, was born first. But we know in John eight fifty eight, Jesus testified of himself, said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus Christ is the son of God has always existed. In Philippians chapter two, right? What's the beauty of that whole passage is that Jesus was, was in heaven in the throne, was sitting on his throne and yet he left heaven, came to earth, took on flesh and became a servant. See, Jesus had prior existence as the son of God. He was before John. That's what John is saying there. And then verse 31 says he's revealed to Israel, right? He's the promised Messiah. That's what we've been studying all through the book of Genesis last year. Paul says even of our salvation, Paul says in Romans 1 that I, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile, to us. See, Jesus came as the Messiah, the reigning king for Israel. That's the reason Herod wanted to kill all the babies two years old, right? In the, in the Christmas account that we studied last week, Herod had heard the prophecy that there was gonna be born a king of the Jews. And Jesus was revealed as that king. Verses 32 and 33, we see that he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter four says that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon Christ and that's how he was able to heal and do ministry. Jesus did miracles and taught through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 34, he's the son of God. So there's this intimacy with the father. There's the authority that he has as the son of God. Well, if that's not enough, let's look over to John chapter three. Are you getting a sense that this is probably someone worth listening to when you look at some of those credentials? Get to verse chapter three. There's a, a scene going on. Jesus is baptizing. He's got his own followers and some of the disciples of John say, hey, that Jesus guy over there, what's he doing? He's stealing some of our folks. And John reminds his disciples, look at chapter three, verse 28. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, that's John the Baptist, who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's what? Voice. Therefore, this joy is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. See, John the Baptist knew that. You know, all those other voices out there, you know, my own voice, it needs to become less, and I need to make the voice of Jesus Christ preeminent. John the Baptist is saying that, and that's something we need to say as well. Well, let's just look at a few more things. In verse 31, John the Baptist says that Jesus Christ is from above, and above all, if you were to look at John chapter six, John chapter six, at least five or six times, Jesus is saying, I came from the Father, the Father sent me, I was in heaven, I came down from heaven, I came to earth. See, this is a, Jesus is from above, and he came to earth. 
Can you imagine the conversation that he must have had? I think the disciples asked him some of the questions. What was it like up there? He says that he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. Verse, he who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness, verse 32, of what he has seen and heard. Can you imagine what Jesus has seen? So he's from above. He bears witness. He's above all else. Verse 31. We also see in verse 31 and verse 35 that all things were given to him. Look at verse 35 of chapter three. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. Incredible. Verse 32, he speaks for God. Says that he utters the very words of God. You wanna know what God says? Read what Jesus said. When Jesus speaks, God speaks. Incredible. Verse 34, it says, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God and he gives this Holy Spirit. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. The reason we have the Holy Spirit residing in us if we believe in him is because he sent the Holy Spirit to us to give us a sense of his presence. And then the reason he came in verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son does not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Look at who Jesus is. Look at that chart. Incredible. Is he worth listening to? Do you see why John the Baptist says, I must decrease? You know, the sound of my voice needs to fade away, folks. The voice of Jesus Christ is what needs to be preeminent. Our last point in our outline, what's the last question? Will we listen? Is he worth listening to? Will we listen? That's my question. I hope so. When you look at the character, the credentials of Jesus Christ, who else should we listen to? Now, application, you ready? Yeah, one point for us next to One point of application. You know, normally in the size of a thousand people in a room like this, you think pastors always come up with two or three application points. There is no way Truly, no way that we can come up with a point of application that applies to every single one of you in your life. It's impossible. The Holy Spirit has to do that. But I think I have one. <laughs> I think I got one. You ready? What do we do with this? Do you want to know what Jesus said? Do you want to hear from Jesus himself? Do you want to make him the voice in your life? Are you ready to set your life on a trajectory maybe different than what it's been in the past? Here it is. Come back next week. <laughs> come back next week. Why, why come back next week? We're beginning the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the longest recorded message that Jesus ever gave. If you have one of those older Bibles with red letters, it's all in red. Do you wanna know what Jesus said? Come back next week when we start the Sermon on the Mount and you're gonna read the very words of Jesus. Not a whole lot of commentary, it's the, it's the words of Jesus. You wanna know the voice of Jesus? What's the voice of Jesus in your life? Come back next week, because we're gonna read it. We're gonna hear the words of Jesus. It's gonna be transformative. The Sermon on the Mount series that we're starting next week will allow us to drown out the voices of the world and listen to the voice who really matters, that of Jesus Christ. We do it, and you think, ah, it doesn't apply to me. I'm just visiting. Watch it online. Okay, it'll work. 
Well, we're getting ready to have communion, and as we allow the servers to come down at this time, can I have you just bow your heads, and we can just reflect upon the message? As you think about the voices in your life right now, who have you been listening to? And who needs to have preeminence in your life? Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who not only takes away the sin of the world, but he gives eternal life for those who receive him. As you remember the sacrifice of what Jesus Christ did, give him your heart, rejoice in the sacrifice on the cross, and worship at this time. The cross was enough. His death was sufficient. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, remembering the last night Jesus had with his disciples. And Paul writes, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is the Lamb of God. And then Paul continues, and in the same way, he took the cup, and after supper, said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. His death was sufficient. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you that he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you for the really good news that he rose again. And because he conquered death, we too shall live. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. And the fact that he is alive means that we need to listen to what he has to say. Help us to be attentive to his voice above all others. Are you ready to make some listening and viewing changes? Make Jesus' voice preeminent. Come back next week as we begin the Sermon on the Mount to hear the very words of Jesus himself. You know, a lot of us probably have friends or family or coworkers that have heard a lot about Jesus, but I don't know that they've ever actually heard what he had to say. It would be a great chance to bring him as well. God bless you. Happy New Year.